welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard. That's what we do. If you don't like that, I don't know what you're doing here because we've clearly stated it in the name and everything. Uh, with me this week, are, oh, I'm Matt Rossi, by the way. I didn't say that. I've had a kind of rough week. You'll know why in a little bit. But with me this week are two just fantastic co-hosts. Uh, one can turn into fire and the other can turn invisible. I'll let you work out who's who. Um, first up, she writes about everything and is just really a good person to work with. Ann Stickney. Hi. Hi. What have you been doing this week? Um, not a whole heck of a lot yet, because it's only Tuesday. <laughs> well, I meant like the week since the last show. But the okay. week since the last show. Um, also, not a whole heck of a lot. Mostly just like writing and producing podcasts and that kind of thing. Um, this weekend was kind of a lazy weekend, so I just watched a bunch of Rockies games. Really, that was about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Alex. Alex Zbart. Hello. Site. What have you been up to? I have been putting way too much thought into figuring out how to play WoW on a Chromebook, and it's not really feasible, but all I want to do is do my garrison chores while they're still doable while I'm using my treadmill desk. And gotcha. my desktop PC doesn't go there, my Chromebook does. The Chromebook is basically useless, so how can I do basic functions on that? I've spent too much time on this. I think I figured it out. The end. Okay, well, that's cool. Uh, I... I had my 10th wedding anniversary this weekend, which was nice. That was good. Oh, um, followed, followed by yesterday when uh, I woke up to the sound of screaming and my wife comes running in the bedroom with the cats all in her arms and flings them on the bed and goes, toilet exploded, <laughs> runs out of the room. Uh, I then get up to a flood, an actual flood in the upstairs of our apartment, which is now basically we can't live in our apartment for the next several days. So I'm this podcast is happening from a hotel bedroom right now so that's 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 my week it's been up and down so uh did you get put up in that hotel or do you have to pay for it insurance is putting in paying for it but we have to pay a fee for the cats but mm. whatever it was impossible they put like a gigantic like the, the humidifier they put into our house is six feet tall it's like it a dehumidifier isn't it it's yes the dehumidifier my, my apologies it's so big that like i i don't think i could move it that's in my bathroom right now meanwhile there are like four industrial fans going continuously in our apartment just blowing like air onto the wet things so that they will dry off yeah i haven't had that bad of a flood but back when i was still living in california we had um our plumbing went under the slab for the building mm-hmm. and it broke in our neighbor's apartment but for some reason all of the water came into our apartment so i woke up one morning to my roommate very confused saying there's water in the dining room and i'm like okay and then she goes no no you have to come see so i go downstairs and there's like an inch of water <laughs> just sitting there yeah this this was and more it's hot lines. water it's hot water <laughs> At least this wasn't hot water, but what it was was my, my mother-in-law woke up because the water had gone down two floors to dump on her bed while she was sleeping. Oh, my this God. Happened, this happened at, like, exactly 6 o'clock in the morning. Wow. So we were conscious. Yeah. So it, had it happened, say, at an earlier time, that would have been even worse. So, yeah, that's been my week. Let's talk about World of Warcraft. Um, as always, the top stories is first, so let's talk about... I guess Medivh got buffed on Heroes of the Storm? Yeah, Medivh got a buff and also got a price cut this week because he's been out for a while now, so his price dropped to 10,000 gold. But he's apparently getting a buff because they weren't... Medivh <laughs> hasn't been doing so well. Not and, so hot, no. Um, part of it is, well, he's just generally kind of weak. The other part is uh, he is a character who is super, super, super reliant on their team working with him well. Right, and if you're just kind of playing pickup games or just you know quick matches, like and just you can put in. down the portals, but if other players don't click them, they're kind of useless. Right, and and you need other people to capitalize on what Mediv can do, and if they oh, don't, he's the eternal lightwell problem. Yeah, pretty right. much. Yeah, and and generally he's just kind of weak. He didn't have a lot of individual power, and they made one of his level one talents baseline. Uh, it's basically if you hit an enemy hero with your one and only damage spell, it refunds all of the mana. And that was originally a talent and everybody was taking it because he would run out of mana otherwise. So now that's just, that's just baseline. Pick something else. Just have this one. Okay. All right. 
cool. Um, also this week, I, I guess Tempest won Dreamhack. I'll be honest, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Dreamhack so, was like sports. the big, big Heroes of the Storm tournament, and the final series was between Tempest and MVP Black, and okay. it was the best three out of five, and Tempest won it. It was apparently really close, though, and of course, you know, once that was determined and everything, there was this whole fallout where everybody's restructuring all of their teams now because they're going to start with the actual, like, the qualifiers for North America in July. I think it's July 10th when they start all of that. Essentially, yeah, this... Road to BlizzCon type stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Essentially, this quote-unquote season of Heroes Esports has ended. So all of the teams who didn't qualify for moving on were like, screw it, we're changing all of our rosters. Or, you know, Cloud9 recently disbanded. And they were the BlizzCon winners uh, last year? I want to say last year. Them going from, you know, BlizzCon Grand Champion to not existing in the span of less than a year. That's Esports. And uh, if you follow Heroes Esports, like MVP Black was so dominant for so long, like completely undefeated for months and months. Right. And it's only in the last couple of tournaments that anybody took any games off of them, and then Tempest beat them. So that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Congrats to Tempest. Then next one on our list of news is dear to my heart because I was in there at the time. Uh, I guess the next Ramos just had its anniversary. Yeah, and it was the anniversary from like its first appearance in the game, which is all the way back in vanilla. Yeah, 2006. Yeah, which, which was pretty cool. Year. It was like the 10 year anniversary of it, and I know I think all three of us were still playing like at that time. Yeah. yeah I I actually oh, yeah. um I got married like right around that time. So, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was my 10 year anniversary, and access to see we, we you I, share I, an I, yeah anniversary with Scourge Central. Central. Yeah. That's great. Well, I proposed to my wife in Molten Core um, between the time that we I proposed to her and the time that we got married. I guess like about six months passed. We went from like farming MC and running AQ to you know running Nax and Nax was painful at first. Like our first run in Nax was like it was like getting stomped. I'm sure you equate your engagement and eventual marriage to patch release dates. Yes. <laughs> You're such yeah. a nerd. Well, that's that's what we did, you know. The best part about our proposal was my wife had said something to me about, you know, do you think we should get married? And I said, like, nah. And then I, like, thought about it for half an hour. And then during the Molten Core run, I was like, yeah, we should get married. We should get married. And she's like, this is how you proposed to me? I was like, um, yeah, I guess it is. Sorry. At least I didn't do it over vent. I actually came into the room. Actually, it was TeamSpeak back then. But, yeah, Nax at the time. I don't know. if you, well, you, Did either of you guys run it at the time? I know. I, I we my raid group managed to get down I think like three bosses and that's it. Yeah, Nax at the time was brutal. It was tuned very high. It was tuned around the idea of almost zero lag, which was really unrealistic. A lot of guilds had real trouble with it. Um, I remember we basically I think we got the first like we did the spider wing. I remember that we did the spider wing, and then like the first boss of every other wing, and that's about as yep. far as we got until. Yeah, like, that's pretty much what we did. Uh, yeah. I, I was a priest at the time, so I had a lot of fun with um, what's his face, uh, bright blue man. I had, well, the raid guild that I was in, like, kind of vanished mid AQ. Like, we got about halfway through AQ, and then everybody decided they'd really rather go back and start playing EverQuest 2. Because they came over, like, they originally started playing World of Warcraft. They all jumped over. They were some big guild in EverQuest, which I didn't know when I joined the guild. But when EverQuest 2 came out, they were all like, you know, let's go do that instead. So they all left. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm not raiding anymore. So I missed out on that whole Nax everything. Um, I, I remember I snuck into it on my priest so that I could just mind vision around and look at it because I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, it was... The the real thing is like if you've ever played if you've only played Nax if you've only raided Nax in in Wrath or and using the current version of the of the raid, it feels like an empty strip mall compared yeah. to like how packed with mobs it was. Like original forty it player Nax was just crazy. Yeah, it had tons of stuff in it. It was very full. I mean, uh, in the, terms of of progression, I think that what helped us get down some of the bosses was getting epics off of trying to kill trash. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They dropped a lot. Um, and the thing is, like, 
now you guys rated it, so you know for sure, but I always got the impression when I did Nax, when I finally did Nax in Wrath of the Lich King, um, it felt like they had like taken the whole ziggurat whatever and like scaled it down by about 20%. Like the build, like the rooms themselves didn't seem as large as they were. It was the same configuration. It was just a trunk. It didn't feel to me like it shrank so much as it felt like they took stuff out of it. Okay. Like I kept thinking to myself, where is everything? Like that yeah. was my my big takeaway was like there's a specific when you're going to Maxina, I uh, can't Maxina. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. that. Yeah. Spider boss. Trunk, I don't know. When you're on your way down from 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 the the second boss and spider wing to to her it was just it used to be like full of like six to eight mob trash bowls and they were everywhere yeah the like, place was swimming with mobs like you would look down one of the hallways and it was just like a sea of undead and like alex said like there was a ton of trash just loot on trash um that you would get like stuff that people wanted in, as their bis stuff was was on the trash. I think it was even weapons. Like I recall, yeah. um, there was a really good one-handed mace. Like the best yeah. in slot one-handed mace was a trash Rogue drop. Yeah, rogues and rogues loved that mace. Rogues went nuts for it. It was like a. It's it, the model still exists. It looks like a techno limb thing. Yeah. yeah, rogues absolutely loved that thing. They went nuts for it. There was a ton of stuff like that. There was like the paladin pants with the best paladin pants ever for DPS paladins. Dropped off the trash. There was a there was a mace that dropped off the trash. There was like tons of stuff like that. It was it was really I mean, interesting. The main thing that I remember from Nax, because like I said, I didn't rate it, but I liked watching the videos of people rating it. And the one thing that always got me was Hygen, yeah. the dance that you have to do with uh, him, and watching forty people do that dance simultaneously on a video like i don't even know if the videos still exist out there if they're still on youtube or not if they are you should go look it up and watch it because it's seriously it's like watching magic happen and i'm sitting here going man we had enough problems getting 40 people to like all do the same thing on ragnaros how did you make them do this dance <laughs> Yeah. How did you and actually wrath, coordinate everybody, you know? In Wrath, you would have trouble getting 10 people to do it. Yeah, which was kind of, like, ridiculous. We had, um, we went back, because, uh, one of our, one of our friends was, had gotten his, his legendary staff, Atiesh, um, just at the very end of, of Vanilla. That's the one so we, thing I regret yeah. about not raiding Nax, is I didn't get my crack at that staff, and I would have loved to have it. But we, so, we went back to, uh, to do it. Uh, like when BC was like pretty long, long in the tooth, like we were raiding uh, Sunwell at this point, and we went back to do Nax because he'd never gotten to finish it. Not a lot of us hadn't gotten to finish it, and so we went back to do it, like to just clean the place out. We brought forty people who were geared from Sunwell uh, and Black Temple and and Hyjal. They were geared forty geared level seventies. We went into Nax and we wiped on stuff. It still kicked your butt. It was still hard. I mean, we got it down. We we finished the the raid. We we did kill, um, Kel'Thuzad, but Kel'Thuzad was a nightmare, with un unreal hard. With and forty the, people, yeah. Forty forty geared people still very hard to do a lot of this stuff. And when it came out in the new version, I mean, it's just doing the doing the Hygen dance with forty people. Even 40 geared Wrath player, um, 40 geared BC players, because the mechanic didn't care how geared you were. No. All the mechanic cared about was, can you execute me? And we couldn't. Are you <laughs> standing yeah. in me? Yes, you're dead. And maybe <laughs> this is, maybe this is, you know, just my, I wouldn't call it nostalgia, but like my misperceptions over time. But I also feel like the the stat, the jump in character power between level 60 and 70 isn't as large as what we see now for like it, 8 no, to 90. No, it wasn't. It wasn't there wasn't. As... Yeah, there was... I mean, there was some because there was enough tiers of rating, but yeah, it wasn't... It wasn't as pronounced, I don't you think. Could, if you had Nax gear, you could use it up until Karazhan. Yeah. I mean, for that matter, I knew people who tanked Karazhan with, rat, with like vanilla legendaries. Like Rath, if you had Thunder yeah, yeah, Wrath was really where, where that discrepancy started taking off like exponentially because Wrath had so many tiers. Yeah, and, it had so many tiers so much and it had, it had heroic modes in the tiers. Right. So, so you'd end up with like, you just, know, 
by the end of Wrath, everybody was like super pumped, you know, but like by the end of Burning Crusade, not as much, not as much. You felt powerful, but not yeah. overwhelmingly so. It really, it really, the only time that you ever felt like re- kind of ridiculous power creep was were you a hunter with Thoradol or a DPS warrior or rogue with the with the warglaves? If you had the warglaves, yeah, the warglaves. <laughs> bye bye the- everything. <laughs> that's that was it, and even then, like one warglave would do you. Like a ro- I knew a rogue with one warglave, and he used to go. He every week didn't get it, but he still did crazy damage. He, even you know, even without the set bonus doing damage to demons, he still. Yeah, did- I had one. I had one. Yeah. I didn't have both of them, but I had one of them. Back yeah. in in Nax, I because I was still like I said I was playing my priest. I was like second in line to get Nazhesh, but we didn't have enough time to get one, so like that was never yeah. even on the radar. It was not possible. But uh, I was playing my paladin come Wrath, and I got Shadowmorn. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't oh. feel like Shadowmorn was as overpowered as a lot of these other legendaries are, but it was still cool to have. I don't know. I mean, the, the weird thing about Shadowmorn was that the way it scaled. Like, depending on, like, you know, if you could get the uh, proc to happen and hit enough people and do enough damage and then empower you to do more damage, it really yeah. depended. Like, for warriors, it was insane. Like, you main hand Shadowmorn, offhand the axe off of the first guy, uh, the Bonestorm guy. Oh, so uh, the floaty bone axe. Yeah, you'd, you'd have those two weapons and you did a lot of damage. But, yeah, it doesn't. it didn't feel like Shadowmorn was as legendarily a legendary as some of the other ones it felt more like a sulfurous legendary yeah i mean saying my legendary wasn't good enough is like so for first world problems but like yeah. i enjoyed it it's just it's just not as memorable as like thunder fury the warglaves you know it's just thunder shadow. fury man we got one of our warriors got thunder fury we got him thunder fury back in vanilla and he promptly went into warsong gulch and just tore people apart it was insane yeah, Thunder Fury was good. Like they had to nerf it in BC. Yeah, they did. Because people would have kept using it, and it would have kept being <laughs> the best weapon. We had tank. somebody in chat channel who said that they knew a tank who did Karazhan with Thunder Fury, and yeah, yeah, yeah you could, you could. I mean, that was that was stand- like, sometimes it wasn't even like you could. Like if you generally hadn't gotten some other rating upgrade, Thunder Fury was probably still better. Absolutely. Until they nerfed it, and I don't remember exactly when, but it was like middle of the expansion. Until they nerfed Thunder Fury, Thunder Fury beat everything that it was in Karazhan to tank with. Because like, it didn't, it was like not just the threat proc, but it was also, wasn't it like it slowed the attack speed of yeah, all it was, enemies? It was super Thunderclap. It did what yeah. Thunderclap does, but with more damage and a much greater effect. It was amazing. It, it, when I say that it was it was the best weapon, it beat King's Defender by so much. That's why they nerfed it because people were going through Karazhan and being like, "Yeah, nothing," and they realized that when they did the next tier of rating, nothing in it was going to beat Thunder was going to beat Thunder Fury either. Like seriously, this weapon was going to be the best weapon for tanking up until you hit Black Temple. Von Snootingham in the chat channel says, "How about Thoradol? That thing's terrible." Um, I do have to point out. The main appeal of Thoradol for a lot of hunters was the fact that you didn't need ammo to use it. Yeah, and at one point in time, hunters had to carry ammo, and if they ran out of ammo in the middle of a raid, that was like a bad thing. Yeah, so because it was a really interesting effect because it was not just oh I don't have to run ammo anymore. Having it saved you money indefinitely. You never had to pay gold for ammo again. But once they removed ammo, yeah, throw it all. Then it was like, oh, well, womp womp, I guess that's not really worth anything anymore. It's still pretty. I love it. People who started playing after Burning Crusade are like, throw it all stupid. But no, if you got it at the time, like, it was a legendary that meant you had more gold. And it was pretty. It it also did do more damage than other weapons. Like, it was the best weapon for any hunter, uh, bar none. But yeah, it's... No, 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 I'd argue with that, because, like, the... um, there was something that dropped off of Illidan that was oh, like slightly I better. Eh, I had a friend. But tell it, me that but too. again, you know, if you use that one, then you still had to like carry all the ammo and buy all the ammo, and yeah. you know, I mean, a weapon that didn't require ammo would like the equivalent for a rogue would be like a sword that made gold fall on you. Yeah. Or you just I could get behind that. A warrior, what you know, and suddenly your your items don't break. Although honestly, back like then, the, the, oh my the, god, repairs back then. The daggers from Cataclysm almost made gold fall on you because you could tear things apart so easy that farming old content was just like there was. <laughs> I loved those daggers. I really did. 
the ones from Cataclysm. They were great. Uh, Batman. We yes. probably Here. rambled on enough about Nax. Yes, but, we have. Uh, briefly mentioned, the Warcraft movie is now available for pre-order if you want to buy it on DVD. Um, which I go go ahead and do that. Duncan there. Duncan Jones did yeah. mention on Twitter that there's not going to be like a director's cut, but he from what he's aware, there should be extra scenes on the DVD. I think. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no extended or director's cut, but there are some scenes that were cut as like bonus features. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's happening. Movies go to DVD really fast nowadays. They do. Well, well it's a pre-order, so you're not wrong, but it's also not like you're not probably not going to get the DVD next week. Or anything. Yeah, I know, but it still seems like really fast. I, the Warcraft movie itself, I think it's opening in Japan and a bunch of other countries today or this week. Mm. So there are still countries where it hasn't launched yet, and it's actually doing that. So yeah, this is a pre-order, but it's it's a it's a really lengthy pre-order. I don't think you're going to have it like you know. And- Amazon tends to put the DVD pre-orders up as soon as the movie releases because right. they're going to people who saw the movie like, oh, I want to own that, and they'll go to Amazon and pre-order it, even though it may not be actually be on DVD for you know three four months. Amazon's taking your money anyways. Yep, it'll arrive in your inbox eventually. Your inbox, your mailbox eventually. <laughs> the world, unless you the order world. the digital one, in which case it will be in your inbox well, probably. The digital inbox got its name from mail inbox. Yeah, the inbox and the outbox. Like that's a physical mail thing. So don't feel too bad. Yeah. Also, um, I guess they're doing another Q and A for Legion's PvP this week. Yeah, they're going to be talking to Holinka this week about PvP. So if you got any PvP questions or anything like that, you can use the. I believe the hashtag is Legion QA. And then um, there's also a thread on the official forums where you can comment and leave your questions. And if you feel like asking questions about how the PvP talents are going to work, I wouldn't stop you. because I would Go like right this. ahead, because a lot of people are wondering. Uh, but that's basically it for stories this week, so uh, we'll move on to emails. If you have an email, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, we basically take emails about everything. Um, if they're short, shorter emails are good, uh, longer Book length emails are harder to deal with, but we do our best. Um, if you like us, you could ask us a, a paragraph question. That'd be great. Um, Anne's going to read them for us. So, <laughs> and we have so many long emails this time around. Anyway, uh, first question is from Ultimega One Hundred Orc Warrior from Korgath, who says, "Hey, watchers, I have an unusual question for you. I'm a programmer at a large company, and my team is splitting off into a front end team and a back end team. We have the privilege of getting to name our new team, and I want it to be cool. So obviously, I want it to be lore related. You guys know it way better than I do. So I wanted to see if you could come up with any names for a programming team that creates front end tools that." other programming teams will use to build websites. Some constraints. First off, I'm the only WoW player on the team. Secondly, everyone is going to call us this and it'll be said out loud in meetings, so it can't be too try-hard RP or anything. People wouldn't want to call us the Ultraxian team, for example. Are there any events or places in WoW or other Blizzard games that have short, sweet names that are somehow related to the front or core of things that wouldn't stand out too much in conversation? Ultimega. Edward. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> okay. Call it Forge <laughs> um, I was going to say Iron Forge, quite frankly. Iron Forge make is stuff. Uh, or, or, you know, if it was me, I would I would name it Ash Condi. But you don't want Ash Condi. For one thing, everyone's going to call it the abbreviation that has, you know, no one's going to call it Ash Condi. They're going to call it the other thing. So, yeah, you you don't want that one. Someone said Blackwatch. That's a good idea. Overwatch, also a good idea. Titan, that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else. Like the Argent Dawn? No, that wouldn't work. Forge Camp Annihilation. Forge Camp Annihilation. (laughs) That would get you some looks, though. Yes. We we here at Forge Camp Annihilation build tools for you to build websites. We might be evil. Don't, don't I like it. I like Ironforge as a name, actually. I think that's actually probably the best one that I've heard. It's just, you know, they make things. Yeah. Just... Well, and it's kind of ubiquitous, too, because it's like, could be a wild thing, could be something else. You know, you never know. I don't know. Alex, you got any brilliant ideas? Should I be the obligatory killjoy again, or should I keep it to myself? No, go ahead. If you're the only person on this team who plays WoW... And you're the only person on this team who will understand the name. Wouldn't you be better off getting with your team and figuring out something that is meaningful to all of you 
instead of like using it as your personal in-joke? Maybe he's the leader of that team. There's no I in team. Maybe he's the raid lead. You never know. There's no I in team. I mean, I do what you want. Do what you want. I just feel like if you're part of a team or you're running a team, the team should come up with ideas. And maybe you can be the one to pick which name gets used because trying to get, you know, however many people to form a consensus is impossible. It's like getting 40 raiders to do the Heigen dance. Yeah. Um, so you're never going to have everybody agree on one name, but maybe they should throw ideas in, into the ring. Or no, maybe you should pick something that would be relevant to more than you. Yeah, he's, he's not wrong, but I still feel like now, I feel like Next Ramos is a good name now. I mean, uh, I think I think you could come up with some really cool WoW names. I like some of the suggestions. Like, if that's really what you want to do, go with, you know, Titan or Overwatch or something like that. Like, go for it. But I have to be the voice of dissent because I guess that's my job somehow, some way. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be the jerk every time. Just call yourselves the Zerg. <laughs> <laughs> Nuclear launch detected. That's the Terrans. Okay. Yes, well, hopefully that helps you, Ultimega. I don't know. <laughs> Despite Alex's grumpiness. Uh, I'm sorry. I always end up being that guy. Every time. <laughs> our, our next email is from Neil Lee, Bovine Druid from Scarlet Crusaders Guild on the Turalion Realm, who says, Salutations! Wasn't the Warcraft movie great? It was awesome, and it did really well in China, with Chinese money being the primary funding source for the film and potential funding for future episodes. But I'm really, really worried. Duncan Jones has said he'd like to do the Lich King story arc, but that's going to be a... Ma Fan Kuan Yan. I don't even know if I said that right. Chinese for pain in the buttocks problem. Okay, if I just swore in Chinese, I'm really sorry to anybody listening who understood. If you did, that. you did it very poorly, so it's okay. Yeah, I probably did. Anyway, the reason why is this within Chinese culture, they do not like stories regarding the undead. In fact, the societal revulsion is so strong that Chinese censorship authorities will remove most, if not all, references to the undead in media imported for consumption in China. If the Arthur story is made, they will not like it, and the primary source of success for the movie franchise may go away. Your thoughts? Well, first off, he said he didn't want to do it. He said he wanted to watch it. No, he wanted to see what somebody else would do with it. So that's not really a problem for him uh, since he'll be doing the first war and stuff. And keep in mind, there's at least, I don't know. I mean, I'm not arguing that you're wrong, but China also has the hopping vampire and so forth. So there is at least some tradition of undead in in China. I think the problem that WoW had was it wasn't necessarily – that they had undead so much as the way they were depicted. Because right. you remember that they didn't just they didn't just cut the Forsaken out of the game. They simply got rid of the exposed bones. They gave them flesh. Yeah, which was in my fact in fact I thought that was way creepier. Marogar looked really weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. And like uh, disturbing and yeah. weird. Much creepier with the flesh on them. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Way so, creepier. But you know that's you know, cultural differences. I, I I do think that there might be an issue with it, but I don't think it's quite, I don't think Chinese culture is that monolithic on the subject. Yeah. And they don't like, they don't show skeletons there. They put like a little gravestone. Yeah. You remember more... that, that image of, um, Oh, what's his name from Pandaria, the dinosaur on the Island, the one that murdered. Thok? Yeah. No, not Thok. The one on the Island. Undasta. Yeah. Ungasta or Undasta. There was like, that image of Undasta, and it was a wipe in China, and it was just gravestones all over the place. <laughs> like, yeah. the island was tiled with them. It was very yeah. strange. Abominations also have their stomachs stitched closed. Yeah, they don't They don't have their guts hanging out or anything like that. Um, I don't think that we're really going to have to, like, worry about that so much, because the tangent that they seem to be going with the current arc is, it feels like it could be a three-film arc, and that would be enough and i mean if they wanted to go with the lich king at that point they could look at the situation then and see what the funding looked like and what you know how the other films did in markets and if this is something that they want to like pursue or not but uh, the arc that they're going with right now seems very much focused on the whole orc human back and forth more than anything else yeah and i do distinctly recall duncan jones saying you know uh, I'm telling the orc and human story. If somebody wants to make Arthas movies, I'd love to watch them, but I won't be the one making them. Which is too bad, because I'd like to see how Duncan Jones handled Arthas. But, you know, it's still, it's one of those, it's one of those things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think they could do the undead. It's just like, you know, 
whole bodies that are kind of shambling around as opposed to like skeletons and guts and i'm sure that would be fine because like i said they, you know they have undead they have their own mythological undead they have they didn't remove the forsaken they just made them less bony, bony. i'm just i'm not an expert in chinese culture so i mean some someone who is an expert in chinese culture may come along and completely contradict me and if so i apologize okay well, next email is from Gaddish, Blood DK, from For the Legion on Ravencrest, Europe, who says, Greetings, Lorewalkers and Alex. I just want to write and ask if we know how dragons got their name, like Malagos, Alexstrasza, and so on. And do the names follow any sort of pattern? Rossi? I don't remember. They didn't, like, they kind of had their names in the book, didn't they? They had, uh, yeah, when they were proto-drakes, they were all called. Yeah, like, I, th- I guess dragons just have naming conventions. Uh, clearly, there's the ghost Gosa thing for the blues. Um, the Straz Straza thing seems to be like the reds primarily. The, the greens. Blacks, the blacks have the e, uh, eon. Yeah, and uh, I don't remember like the the greens. I know that they have one, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. I can't remember any. Ysera's the only one I can remember. And yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think that they had any like strict naming conventions that were like immediately applicable for the greens but i know the bronze there's iranicus i mean iranicus there's no iranicessa uh, so. right well maybe sarah iranicus maybe it's an a us thing i don't know i don't remember i know he has i know iranicus even had a brother i can't remember his name off the top of my head yeah that that guy in the swamp of sorrows i don't yeah. remember they had um i know with the with the bronze ones there's omi and omu yeah. Or it's either I or you at the end. But, sorry, Dormy. Sorry, Dormy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that, like, they're not necessarily. Uh, Colin in chat just pointed out Alisra. So the green females are RA, since it's Sarah and Alisra. Okay. Um, what I'm thinking, though, is I'm remembering, like, Chromie. Yeah. Chromie's full name is Chromadormu or something like that. Yeah. So it's yeah. like. yeah and it's not so it's not like something that's like rigidly enforced or anything because obviously there are exceptions to every rule but um they all kind of have the same sort of naming conventions however yeah donna the aspects the thing is what what was never really made clear to me i mean obviously the whole flashback sequence in dawn of the aspect was seen through caligos's eyes Mm -hmm. so were they calling each other by their names or was was Caligos just kind of attributing the names to these people because he recognized them? Yeah. I don't and know. The, some, it's, this is not unique to Warcraft, um, but in fantasy in general, uh, when we're talking, like, looking at the, the first part of dragon names, they have that kind of fantasy problem where people's names are often very fitting for the personalities they grow up to have. Yeah. Um, they are, you know, uh, a character that isn't a dragon, for example, Lorthamar Theron. Okay, and the name Theron means hunter. So he got that name as a baby, or his family got that name, That's his and family they just name, happened yeah. to be hunters. Well, All look right. at you know um, the Wind Runners, the entire Wind Runner line. What if you just don't particularly want to run around in the wind? I, <laughs> I, I, I want to stay inside. I want to, you if, know. If you want a lot of uh, Song of Ice and Fire spoilers, a lot of them, go look up the meaning of the characters' names and the names of their pets. And yeah. So, uh, the names are usually the you know meaning of the name is generally the role they have in the story, like literally what they do in the story. Their pets are usually named after like literary tropes that describe how their story is going to go. If you want all of the song of ice and fire spoiled for you, go look up the naming of their names. <laughs> That's how fantasy works. And I then and dragons, up. you have Nefarian, who is the nefarious black dragon. Yeah, I went and looked up the greens just because I wanted to make sure of it. And uh, four of them, right off the top of the bat, Ysera, obviously. Then you've got Melithra, uh, Merithra of the Dawn, who's Ysera's daughter, and also Aranicus's daughter, presumably. And then you have Aranicus and Atharius. So, yeah, it's Ra and Eus. Okay. That's how they work. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure of that one. So there you go, Gaddish. I'm not sure if that, you know, explains everything precisely, but we tried. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point, we don't know, at no point, there's no scene of, like, say, Tyr going, and your name shall be Malagos. Yeah, there, there's you know? no Tyr waving a magic wand and naming them, and there's no, they've just always had their names, apparently. Um, okay, so next email is from Rockart, the dwarf shaman from 
Ari Peak, who says, hello, I've only had one main throughout most of my WoW career, all the way back to vanilla. I was excited to know that the wardrobe in Legion kept track of all my quest rewards and drops, but when I copied him over to the PTR, everything before Warlords was missing, and I remembered. I had faction changed to Alliance near the end of Mists. My question is, do we know if you faction change, it erases previous rewards and drops, or do you think it's just a PTR thing and that info wasn't copied? I would be bummed out if all that stuff was missing because I changed factions. Thanks, Rockheart. Uh, you know, that's interesting because I I copied over my original warrior. Now, my original warrior has is now a Draenei. He has been a human, a night elf, a Tauren, and a Draenei. In fact, he is the character I raided with when I raided with the guild that Anne and I were in together. So he is faction swapped forward and back. Yep. And he has items from before his faction swap he has the the whirlwind weapons and lincoln sword of mastery he you know i and i got those before i faction swapped i got those in vanilla when i was still human what about faction specific rewards i don't really know off the top of my head i don't see anything in there that's faction specific but i can't think of anything a warrior would have gotten that was mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i know that the the the, the wrath of the lich king stuff that's that's faction specific he can only use the alliance stuff, like you know, like the the tier ten, the tier nine wa- warrior gear, looks like the alliance version. But my horde character, because I made I rolled up a, a, a tauren just to look, he can use the horde versions. So if it's a piece that has a horde and alliance version, you get them based on which faction you're in. But yeah, I I have like gear I know I I got from quests back in vanilla before I faction swapped forward and back. That I, I know I have it because I so- just I. Yeah, I saw it. It might not be the case that the information has been lost, but rather you're only going to get it if you're the faction for that. Like if you did all of the low level stuff as Horde and then you switched to Alliance and didn't do the low level Alliance quests, you would only get those rewards if your character is Horde. It might be if the, if there are items that you only get as Horde. Or I mean, quests really... that are Horde only. Yeah. That's yeah. If the quests are horde only and they don't have an alliance version, that the gear wouldn't exist for alliance characters. I don't know, but I know that like I I can I can list off those whirlwind weapons and Lincoln Sword of Mastery, both of which I got as alliance. Then I faction switched to horde. Then I faction switched back. If faction switching gets rid of it, they should be gone. So yeah, yeah. That seems to not be the case. So maybe you had something go wrong with your copy there, Rockheart. Good question. I've never, I've never faction changed, so I couldn't even test that if I wanted to. Yeah, none of my characters that I have have done like the faction change thing, so I don't I've, really have an ex- any experience with that. But I knew you did, Rossi. So yeah, I've race switched and faction switched, and the the stuff's there. You've hopped all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Um, our next set of questions. Alice Under sent us a litany of questions, so we're just gonna go through these. Okay. Okay. Um, first question, Alessander says, I noticed in a list of missions of interest on the garrison or harbor table, heirloom ring missions. I have four or five harbors, and these missions have never come up. Do they really exist? Yes, yes because Anne has one. I, I have two, actually. There you go. Yeah, yep. I have I two. I also have two. I uh, they, they do seem pretty rare. I don't know if there's something specific you have to do to trigger them, but I, I have two. Do you need to be a certain item level, maybe? Or have done i don't know no i really have no idea i don't have them because i stopped doing the arbor like they do exist though i do hate the shipyard to be fair yeah but they're they they exist they're just they're really rare and um i've only gotten them once just the once Uh, i get the one with the bag that has the heirloom trinket in it i get that one all the time but the rings i only got the ring missions once each and that was it um so i don't know what to tell you except keep trying it should pop up there eventually personally i'm okay with just getting the one because it has the xp bonus on it i don't really care about what stats are in that ring as long as they have the xp bonus so sure i'll use the intellect ring on a rogue whatever it still gives me xp (laughs) the other thing to note is that I know at least one of the rings, now this is on Horde, and I don't know if the board is laid out the same for Horde and Alliance, but um, the same quadrant where you get uh, the mission to get more oil and the mission to go do um, Hellfire Citadel, like to send your your dudes to go do Hellfire Citadel, that's where the heirloom ring popped up for me 
was yeah. in that quadrant. So make sure you clear that quadrant out at every opportunity. Because the more you clear it out, the more new missions will populate in there, theoretically. Is that how it works? I think so. <laughs> it seemed to work for me when I was trying to get a mount. I just kept clearing one quadrant mm-hmm. over and over and over again until I got the mount mission to pop up. Okay. Whether or not that's accurate or not, don't know. But it worked for me, so personal experience. Okay, uh, question two from Alice Under says, I'm looking for a chance to be a hero in Legion doing good for people and to avoid genocidal, depressing, dystopian storylines, i.e. Cataclysm in the Veil. Which zones or quest lines should I start in or avoid? No need to say why. I'm avoiding spoilers. Or should I simply not buy Legion at all? That's the impression I'm getting. No, you, you have to buy Legion. You have to do everything in Legion. I don't think you could skip. Yeah, you have to uh, do each section because you need all of the pieces. I will say on. this. The horde quests in the Storm Stormheim. Yeah, Stormheim. Yeah. They're real genocidal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whereas the Alliance ones, I mean, you're still fighting, but it doesn't feel nearly as bad. Yeah. You um, you kind of feel bad doing this Stormheim is, is horrid. This is like, not without and, spoiling anything. You just yeah. you feel bad. It's just, <laughs> and I feel like this is a problem as someone who actually really does want to like the horde. For all that I. I grouse about it. Yeah. It's not Horde players, and it's not... I love playing a Tauren. I love it. I would play... I would have, like, six Tauren that I just played constantly if I could get away with it. I think Tauren are great. But, yeah, if you're looking to avoid that, it's going to be hard to do Stormheim. But, on the other hand, you get through the first half of Stormheim, and then it kind of equalizes, like, because then both sides are doing the same stuff for a while. So, maybe just hold your nose and run through, rush through the, the opening, and then you're good. Uh, but other than that, I don't really, I didn't feel like I was doing anything horrible, like in any of the other, like Val Shirah in particular, I didn't, no, I'm not doing anything wrong. Bad stuff's it, happening, but that's, it, that's what happens. Yeah, and it's like, do you not want to be the, uh, the cause of the horrible things, or do you just not want to participate in horrible things? Because if you don't want to participate and, like, be around when bad things are happening... Pretty much every zone's gonna suck. Th- this yeah. is all bad things. Like yeah, the Burning Demon's Legion has made... arrived. <laughs> bad things are going down I mean, in general. That's why heroes are needed because you know if bad things weren't happening, heroes are dangerous maniacs that you don't want around you because if... are heavily armed and or have powers and abilities beyond mortal men and they use them. But when bad stuff is happening, suddenly there's a use for that person with the giant sword. If <laughs> hey, World go of Warcraft. If World of Warcraft were a network TV show, Legion is the season where the network cuts their budget so they kill off the half the cast. Oh, uh, that's <laughs> Legion. So if you don't like bad things happening, uh, you're in trouble. There, there's going to be bad stuff happening. I mean, the Burning Legion has, has arrived, so it's kind of, you know, foregone conclusion, bad stuff is going down. But you're fighting the bad stuff, and you're not necessarily making the bad stuff happen. I, d- I haven't seen any kind of, like veil situation where things deliberately get wrecked because of something that you did or anything like that yeah even even the horde doesn't have anything like that right um the only the only place where i felt like wow this is kind of a downer is is the horde side of stormheim and that's it um the rest of it is all i mean bad things are happening but you're doing your best to make them stop happening so yeah hopefully that helps a little bit I would say if you're a Horde player, clear out Valshara, um, Azuna, and High Mountain and see where you are. Yeah. You might you might be high enough level to just be done if you clear out those three zones completely. Don't you, you have might to have... clear them all out though? Because you need you like the thing. To. Yeah. You need you need all of the pieces to but get to minimize, Suramar. You could minimize how much you do in uh, Stormheim. You can just basically do the main quest and be done with it. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah there is that. Um so you could try that. Uh, and then Alessandra has another question here who, that says, has Blizzard ever yet explained any of the story holes from Warlords in a blog post or a tweet? Anything? Now that we're on the verge of never coming back, shouldn't we get some answers? What was the deal with Cadgar Medivh, whatever that was? What was supposed to happen to bring Grom over to our side? Why was Gul'dan such an incompetent moron? I'm sure there were other questions I've forgotten. Alessandra. I don't think but, I could call Gul'dan incompetent because um, he's brought the Legion to Azeroth, so I guess he's done something, right? I, mean, I get why people say the incompetent thing, because yeah. Gul'dan is, be, is hobbled by the fact that there was a 
Let's just say it. There was a mid-story change. It's pretty obvious. No one's actually come out and said it. No one at Blizzard's like, yeah, we changed our minds midway through. But it's obviously something happened to the story they were going to tell. And it, Cho- it went weird. And Cho'Gall pulls a fast one on him. Yeah, but that's... Cho'Gall outsmarted Gul'dan. Cho'Gall did that in the real in the real universe, too. This is yeah. this is true, and Gul'dan did spend much of his time seemingly wandering Draenor with the cup, cup of, of Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Asking people to drink rather than doing anything of significance and just sort of waiting for us to get rid of everything before he could pull his ha ha I got you all final move that didn't actually work correctly. But um, what was supposed to happen to bring Grom over to our side? That's a good question. We don't know. What was the deal with Cadgar, Medivh, whatever that was? Cadgar's a good guy. That's all we know right now. Yeah, at least right now, Cadgar was basically trying to stop what is about to happen from happening. That was his entire motivation for going over there. He didn't want it to be a, a backdoor into our world, and it wasn't, but Gul'dan was. So, uh, In terms of the, I honestly feel like there's a difference between plot holes and, oh, I hate saying this, I really do. There's a difference between plot holes and bad storytelling. Uh, it's not that there were holes, it's that the story itself doesn't hold together. No, and what you're saying about, like, there was a shift midway mm-hmm. through where, like, something changed yeah it feels like something i couldn't tell you one way or another whether stuff actually changed but it sure felt like it did Uh, part of the problem there were a lot of unfinished elements and coming from an expansion like mists which had an excellent story that was well told and kind of wrapped everything up at the end yeah there were like elements that were left a little vague but it felt like they were left vague on purpose warlords feels kind of cobbled together after that and honestly to this day, I've always felt like you, you get to level 100, 100 in Warlords, and it felt really cool. Like, I had a great time getting there my first time through. And then, like, the Garrison campaign doesn't work as a storytelling element, because it's rigidly gated. So you don't get to experience the story. And, and so it's rigidly gated, and it's random. You don't yeah. even know what piece of it you're going to get. And there's, it's just, there's also a lot of it that feels really irrelevant. Like, there's one week you'll get a quest to just go talk to a goblin and kill ogres. Yeah. And then when that you go to help to out Rexar, anything. it's like, well, Rexar's here and he's doing stuff and then nothing ever comes of that. It's yeah, like the they one... set up those quests to introduce you to, like, the objective areas you'll be doing at Endgame. But by the time you get these quests, you've probably been there and done it already. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is, is like when they did it in Tanan, Tanan's another example of them doing it so much better because it was faster and all of the stuff meant something. And it led you right up to like the final confrontation with Gul'dan and Siruk. And it was there was know, a point to it all. Yeah. I and it was felt like, you know, Tanan, Tanan suffered from being yoked to a story that didn't make a lot of sense anymore, but it was much better designed and implemented than what we got before it. In terms and of, I know, you know everybody like tends to bag Cataclysm in particular for feeling like it's on rails and very linear. But in zones like that, like with Tanan, that linearity actually works. It works to your advantage. If you get too far from the linear, that's when you run into a situation with the Garrison campaign where it's so random that you almost can't follow the story that's there because it's so spaced out and it's so random that, that there's no way... I mean, you're not going to remember from week to week what you did the week before. Not necessarily. I mean, not unless you're really paying attention. And I mean, I was really paying attention and there were points that I was lost. What really annoyed me wasn't even like that I got lost so much. Is like you got the end quest. This is a spoilery thing, so I don't. But it's been a year. It's been almost two years. Um, You got the quest that revealed what happens at the like with the the last warlords and so forth going into the Tanan. The, the warm-up stuff way before I did. Yeah. And so I basically, we were talking about it and you said, have you seen this? Cause you expected I would have seen it by now, but I didn't. Which so was I, weird. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's you were re- doing everything at the same pace that I was. Yeah. I, I just yeah. got it in a different order. Yeah. And we had no idea at the time that that's what was happening. So it was like, Oh God. Okay. Now I know that that's happening. The one and, that stuck out to me is, um, I didn't, I, 
didn't know what the deal was with the Garrison campaign for a number of weeks. I just wasn't getting quests. Mm-hmm. Turns out I was. It was in that cave with the druids in like the far yeah. back of the Garrison where you never go. And I never even oh, saw no. an exclamation point there. And somebody just said, go check that cave one day. I was like, there's been a quest waiting for me for like a month. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing happens. in this corner of value. I've never got, gone here. I got lucky in that I saw the exclamation point flying over it. And so I went in. Like when I flew back from somewhere, I saw the exclamation point, went in and got it. So I managed to skip that. But that was total happenstance that I saw that. There was nothing pointing me there. There was no breadcrumb telling me to go there. There was nothing. There's, there's nothing of value in that corner of the garrison. Like there's nothing happening. There's no vendors. There's no – it's just a cave with some druids in it that you're not – And gonna... I, got, I got to the point where it was like every week on the whole reset thing, I would deliberately hop on my mount and ride around my garrison looking for anything new, like all over the garrison, yeah, just in to... case there was somebody hidden somewhere. Like a goblin standing outside of your garrison. Yeah, exactly. There was that one where it was like there was a guy standing outside your garrison for some reason. Like he never came in. And if you if you didn't actually ride around and go see him, you never would have known he was there. There's like there's one quest that has dark iron dwarves that are way out too, and you have yeah. to like use their like drilling machine to get up to like frostfire and do a whole bunch of stuff in frostfire that you would never have done before and didn't have any flight points to and had no way to know it was there. Yeah, that was another one that was really weirdly uh, scheduled. In short, rather than Blizzard commenting on all this, I'd rather just let Warlords die and forget it happened. Yeah, it can it can just stay where it's at. It's an expansion that did not end I had the way such it began. high hopes for this expansion. I really did. And I was so disappointed by it. Legion, everything that I've seen from Legion in the beta so far... I'm really excited about and I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm just, I'm hoping that I don't get to level 100 and then end on that whole plateau of, oh no, or excuse me, level 110. Are we going yeah. to 110? Yeah, 110. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It definitely track. feels There's like so many levels now. <laughs> feels like they actually have learned from Warlords. Yeah, I say that. quite a bit. Like feels they know that they have to have stuff for you to do. Like as soon as you get to max level, they have stuff waiting for you to do, and you can control it much more at your own pace. And the the class order hall type campaign stuff happens over the course of leveling. It isn't just you get to level one and ten and then they drop it on you. It takes place over the course of getting up there, so it's established and it's part of your story. Um, so I'm hopeful for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Legion is good, uh, but I'm not gonna get too hyped up about its future until I see it precisely because of how Lord of the went. We did the leveling in beta, and the leveling was super good, and we loved it. It was it. We're so like this, good. And we were like, this is the best. And then you hit level 100, they're like, we're done. <laughs> yeah, uh, you end up sitting there waiting. So they have to... <laughs> they, they will have to prove to me Legion won't play out the same way. Yeah. Okay, so our last email is from Judian, who is a human fury warrior on mischief-managed Moonguard, who says, greetings, watchers. Um, This is a really long email, so I'm just going to cut it down here, okay? Uh, He says, recently I was running my umpteenth level 90 alt through the Draenor starting zone when a question occurred to me. At what point after the Iron Horde began pouring through the Dark Portal, did the defenders in Azeroth realize that these orcs weren't coming from Outland? Um, Basically, he says, think about it. From the perspective of the forces in the Blasted Lands, the portal just changed color one day, and shortly thereafter, the invaders started coming through. And then he says, at the end of that cinematic, when they go through the portal, when Thrall and Murad push through, they pause for the camera to pull back and reveal the forces massed around the steps, and something in their body language implied to me that they weren't seeing what they expected to see. It almost seemed to me that they were expecting to arrive in Hellfire Peninsula. What do you think? Am I way off base here? Has this been addressed in the established lore anywhere? Love the show. I always listen to the uncut version because your pre-show banter is every bit as entertaining as the edited version. Well, thanks, Judian. Rossi, what do you think? Uh, I mean, there's no... I, I, Kagar definitely seems to be ready to go someplace for a while. Whereas, if he thinks that's Outland, he'd kind of be like, well, we'll go to Shatrath. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he'd he'd have yeah. immediate plans. He's from that Shatrath. He'd he'd think well oh, as soon as we get through I'll contact uh, uh, you know the, the Naru and we'll you know we'll get so he he seems to me to be aware that he's not going back to where he just was. I'm going to sense. say that the moment that the portal changed from the familiar green to red 
was probably when somebody said, wow, something's up. And then when they noticed that all of the orcs pouring through the portal were brown instead of green, that's probably when somebody said, wow, something's really up. And there may have been somebody in the horde that remembered, you know, the first war that, that was still around from that time and recognized the banners as like the different clans or anything. Did they have the different clans or was it all just Iron Horde banners? I think it was all just Iron Horde banners. It's all pretty just Iron Horde. Regardless, when a bunch of brown orcs start pouring through the portal, yeah, the from only a land ultimate... where supposedly everybody was green and corrupted except for the Maghar. With... Yeah, the the only real variation is like slight gray. Like some of them are grayer mm-hmm. when you first see the Iron Horde, and that makes sense because, as we know from the Black Rock, when orcs are exposed to extreme volcanic conditions. They start turning gray, and that's weird. Alex, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Um. Well, and the orcs came through with stuff Garrosh had in Orgrimmar, which is yeah. Weird. But um, my memory is fuzzy, so I may be wrong. But when you t- during the launch event for Warlords, when you talked to Cadgar, didn't he straight up tell you it was different? Like there, this is not the same as last that's time. I believe he did, and Marad knew. Like Marad saw all of this stuff and went, "Wow, okay." I remember these guys because he went to Varian mm-hmm. in the Lords of War shorts and told him all about these war, like what he remembered of these warlords. So they obviously Broad had a clue. They were at least pro- probably yelling out some familiar names. Yeah. Um, in terms of like when they stepped through the portal, it may not necessarily be so much they were like, this is an outland just so much as like, what in the heck is all this? Because it's one thing to know that these guys aren't what you're expecting and still another thing to step through and be in Tanan freaking jungle, a place that as far as you know, is gone. Well, and I think the other thing too, was when you step through the portal, I mean, obviously you've had these orcs coming out of the portal and you know that there's a lot of them, but when you go through the portal and you see just how many are there waiting for you on the other side, yeah, that's going to take you back a little bit, you know? Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself in the headspace of someone at like Netherguard Keep. Oh man, those um, poor poor people yeah, at Netherguard. I, yeah, uh, they seem to be really bad at their job, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, you know, knowing that you base you know the orcs were beaten, knowing that the Alliance has a presence in Outland that's a fairly large presence now. That you know the situation in Outland is not what it was. Uh, the portal turned different color. Being in the world of Azeroth, I would probably think there's another planet of these jerks, as opposed to these jerks are traveling through time. I would just yeah. seem like the Burning Legion took orcs to another planet and they hooked that one up to Azeroth. I just wish we'd else. gotten a cinematic of the poor sap at Netherguard who was like looking through the telescope at the dark portal when it changed colors He's and was like, oh, like, oh, man. You know, and like, had to go oh, report to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we show up to, like, we show up after the Iron Horde has already come out in such force that they utterly destroyed both Netherguard and took over the Horde base. Yeah. They, they took it over completely and sent enough people to Black Rock Mountain to take that over. So this is definitely a situation where we know they're in force. We know that, you know, they have more people. Like they've sent enough people through to do to take out an alliance base, a Horde base, and a base full of evil dragons. That and they know enough about Azeroth to know that they need to go take out Netherguard, to know that they need to go take out this other thing, and to head to Blackrock Mountain without stopping to ask for directions. That, like, they made a beeline for Blackrock. Yeah, they weren't right there. How would they know that? If, so, if I worked as, like, a guard in Netherguard Keep, I would want to know why we haven't dug, like, a really big pit around the portal. So they just come through and just fall. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I was going to say, it isn't a really big pit. That's like... No, it's no just right like there. a moat. Just put a big moat around it's, it. It's portal and are immediately falling into like a pit <laughs> to fall to their doom. Or, you know... Or just water. have like a bunch of mages do like the portal roulette thing, like right on the other side of the dark portal. So they step through and then immediately they're floating above Dalaran Greater or something. I still think, you know, quite frankly, the people who suggested just filling that whole hole with like, you know, rocks... Would be a way to go, like yeah. just completely fill the crater with rocks. Just Let dump, them... just dump concrete over the portal. Well, they don't, we don't know if they have concrete. I don't know if they have concrete in Azeroth, but yeah, just fill it with rocks or possibly boiling lead. 
or you know whatever you got maybe you know there's a volcano not too far away and we've got mages open a portal into black rock mountain and just have the lava come into the pit until it's completely full maybe, maybe some like super mario spikes yeah i mean you know, the horde are really good at spikes Yes, the horde. The horde yeah. starts the spike ring, and then the alliance is like. Then we have a flaming moat. Then we have this. <laughs> we're gonna have a blimp float over it and drop rocks on it constantly. Uh, this guy. And then like, we're going to reanimate Anixia and chain her right there. <laughs> also, catapults. Lots of catapults. Uh, we're launching iron stars at it continuously. I don't know, but yeah, the 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 dark portal really. Someone should have done something about that thing years ago. Okay, well that wraps us up for emails. And do you like surprises? I hate surprises. Then you love... Oh, do you like food and stuff? Well, yeah. Then you love Degusta Box, a monthly subscription which delivers 10 to 15 delicious items straight to your front door. With Degusta Box, you'll receive items that are brand new to the market or food and drinks you might never have thought to try before. How exciting! How do I sign up? Head over to blizzardwatch.com slash Box and use the discount code Degusta10 to get $10 off your first box. Uh, in all seriousness, Degusta Box is a pretty cool service. I subscribe to it. I genuinely enjoy it. So if it seems like something you'd enjoy, check it out. Get yourself some funky food. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we will hear you guys all next week. 